Ladies and gentlemen, people of all gender expressions, thank you for checking out the North Bank Media Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Strevens. Joining me on the show this afternoon were filmmakers Anna Quelkin and Eric Janvier. I first met Eric in about 2017, and he was actually on my original top 40 list of guests that I wanted to have on the show, so I'm glad we could finally make that happen. Um, I connected with Anna on Instagram, I think just randomly, I don't exactly remember how, and then I was interested to see that they themselves knew each other and had worked on some projects together, so it seemed fitting to maybe get them together and see what kind of a discussion we could have. Um, They recently completed a short film called Ancestral Inc., uh, that's uh, submitted to some film festivals. I got a sneak peek of it. It's a great story, very interesting story. I hope it gets out there for everybody to see soon. Um, both very talented filmmakers. Um, and we talked about a lot of things. We talked about film production, but we talked about some more of the broader cultural issues that are going on. So really chill and laid back. Uh, we were actually outside. Uh, the reasoning behind that is part of a larger story that I'll uh, disclose in another episode. But uh, the weather held off. We had a good time. And it all came together in the end. So please enjoy this conversation with Anna Quelkin and Eric Janvier. Well, thanks, guys. It's been a bit of an adventure getting here, but we're here, we're outside, and we're, uh, I appreciate you guys coming out and doing this. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. So, I guess this morning... Oh, good. Good. Right on time. This morning, I watched in... Uh, was it Indigenous Inc.? Ancestral. Ancestral Inc. My, my bad. Great stuff. Like, so, where'd you find that girl? Uh, so, Poppy, I had known... Poppy is from Fort McMurray, so that's okay. where I'm from. And right. her and I kind of ran with the same group of people but we never really met until a few years ago um if you want the really like long history her and my dad used to box or boxed each other really her dad is actually a former canadian heavyweight champion interesting and my dad the the, fir- the first and only person to ever knock him out was poppy's dad <laughs> okay. so that's our long history but i met poppy a few years ago and she'd been doing tattoos for maybe 10 years now okay something like that and then i just i wanted to do something during the pandemic i was bored (laughs) yeah and (laughs) i wanted to create something and poppy was doing a a cree tattoo and i was like can i film that Mm -hmm. and she said sure okay it took us a while to get there there was a there's a whole thing sure at what point did you bring anna in or how did you get started on that I don't remember, actually. No, I think you were, you were just like, hey, I have something I'd like to film. Would you be interested? And I was like, right. yes, I haven't used my camera in a while. I would love to do that. <laughs> but you guys knew each other before, right? You did a project together before? Yeah. And what so was that? I produced and directed a short film called Reserved. Nice. Which was produced through Story Hive Telus. And one of the uh, criterias for making this short film was mm-hmm. to have at least one female on the crew okay which i mean to me was just kind of counterproductive just to have one sure and i was like i want to just stack the deck and have as many as nice. i can nice so i reached out to one of my old mentors jesse Semensky, mm-hmm. who is i don't know kind of like a legendary edmonton producer i i would assume okay she okay. um she produced the uh 
TV series Blackstone. Sure. She was on that for a few few uh, seasons. And I reached out to her and I was like, do you know anyone that would be willing to work on this? Mm -hmm. Like I, I had a cinematographer in mind, um, Holly Mazer. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted someone to kind of do lights and kind of assist with camera as well. Right. And she recommended Holly and I reached out to Holly. No, sorry, Anna, not Holly. <laughs> I reached out to Anna. Sure. And that's kind of how it all came together. Right on, right on. First impressions of Eric. Just like really chill. Mm. Yeah, really chill. It wasn't like, I mean, this was kind of the first <laughs> set that I've kind of ever worked on. Like I've, I think I said I did more than I actually did. Like Holly actually helped me out a lot. I was like, do you want the light here? She basically would move it to the right <laughs> spot. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I swear I have skills. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it was a great set because um, because it was such a small crew. Um, we all helped each other out. Like, I mean, I was supposed to do lighting, but I also did um, the clapper and nice. you know helped out, and it mm -hmm. was really great for me because I learned a lot. And um, and then everybody just got along really well, and and uh, yeah, I don't know, it was great. It was a great experience. That sounds good because I've been on sets where there's a lot of let's say pretentiousness as you go up the ranks it's like people in the department head position feel like they have to own that so yeah oh, like there's so much hierarchy you know yeah, and i just is. like don't believe in that right so. i yeah i've always been of the mindset like film is create it's it's creating together mm. like everyone comes together to create something not just the director or whatever like sure. everyone has to work together and if nobody's working together in like properly then what is the point? What is the point? Like, if you're going to be a, a dick about filmmaking, <laughs> I don't think this is the job for you. This isn't, you know, 1960s anymore. This right. Is, yeah. It's right. Times have changed. You need to change with them. Right. Right. So have you had experiences where it's not as fun a set as it was with Eric? Yeah, def definitely. It's like, a, like you get the snapping of the fingers or mm. the shush. And it's like, oh, <laughs> do not do that. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a time and place for sure. Shush, oh, for but sure. But it's like just if like, we're rolling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, but no, I mean, for the most part, I've I've had great experiences. Um, but I, I've worked on some sets, and like the the grips are telling me, like, okay, make sure that you don't eat what before the actors do, oh, and really? like all these things, oh, okay. and I'm just like scared. I'm like, oh my god, like right. there's so many rules. <laughs> Um, but yeah. I think it's just different from set to set. Set to set. Mm -hmm. I do notice there's a lot of what you're saying, or there's like that the hierarchies for sure. I also notice the lingo, the language that they use, especially in grip and camera, is like a way to kind of keep you. Like if you don't know what they're talking about, it's like oh, I have to explain to you yeah. what, a, what a brute <laughs> is or what a net is or whatever. I've been in this from. industry for like 13 years. I still don't know half the lingo. <laughs> I I forgot what a C47 was today. Uh -oh. Oh, I damn. saw someone post that. I'm like, all oh, right, that's what a C47 is. Uh, it's not that important. Actually, it's, it's not. It's pretty important. It is. Depends what you're doing. I'm glad I have a cell phone where I can Google it really fast. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm in the position where it's like, I don't need to worry about that stuff. No, that's true. So, Eric, you're more on, like, production direction side of things? Yeah, more so. Um, I've been kind of falling back into writing. Oh, right It's been my, cool. my go-to. Well, I, I mean, I've been writing forever, but mm -hmm. it's kind of where I... I'm seeing my direction cool as well as pretty like I, I love producing I love being from start to finish on a, mm -hmm. on the production and then directing once in a while mm -hmm. depending on what it is okay um, I don't want to always direct just because producing is also hard right so producing and directing like on reserved yeah was too much so difficult okay because I also acted in that oh you're right I saw that yeah. scene 
So not by choice. Not by choice. It's like, <laughs> oh, so what happened? Just uh, no more money? <laughs> uh, no, there was there was lots of money. I had lots of money. <laughs> um, people just did not get back to me for mm -hmm. roles. Like I reached oh, out shit. to all these people, and they're like, oh yeah, it sounds so great. I want to do this. My like, perfect. Right. Here's the dates, and then not hear a thing. Right. Strange. As the date came, I was like, there's no one getting back to me. Time to dust off my old acting boots. <laughs> What was the um, what was the feedback that you got on Reserved when it came out? Like, did it play on Telesoptic? Isn't yeah, that, so it was on Telesoptic uh, as well as on their YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. uh, very well, actually. So I got to go to the Imaginative Film Festival in 2019. Yeah. Were you at 2019? I don't know what years are anymore. No, it's, <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I got to go there, and I was invited by um, well, I, by the National Screen Institute as well as okay. um, Story Hive. So I got to meet with all the people face-to-face -face, as opposed to just emails and phone calls. Nice. And every single one of them was like, oh, your project was so great. It was funny. It was different. You know, um, praising the actor, Ricky, mm -hmm. uh, who's just hilarious. And mm -hmm. she was so nervous to do that shoot. Really? Yeah. She did a good job. I know. Everyone always told, told me that. They're like, she's so good. Like, she's just so natural. I'm like, yeah, that's why I hired her. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I even got cool. a, lot of, uh, a lot of great praise. Unfortunately, there is something that is coming up that I can't talk about right now oh. until an official press okay. release. Okay. I don't know when this is going to be released, but... Soon. <laughs> Soon. I have no more in the I, can. So yeah, no, <laughs> the uh, press release won't be until like the end of May, I think. Okay. And you're producing on that one? Oh, no, no. This is with Bigger. the short film reserve. Oh, right on. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool, yeah, cool, cool. So it's, it's something really cool that's coming up that we get to um, screen at. Beauty. Yeah. Is it important to you, Anna, to work on stories like the ones Eric did? Like, is there something there or was it just whatever? Like, no, it it's definitely definitely important it's also just like really nice to meet other storytellers and like okay. what, how they've come up with a concept and how they visualize it i think it's really fascinating because we're all different everything's so subjective right like yes. you know if you gave me your script and i was the one to film it mm -hmm. it would have turned out different you know mm -hmm. but so it's i like being able to work with multiple different people oh, i hear you i hear you <laughs> it's i like what you said eric how it's such a collaborative effort right like like if you want to be a solo artist be a painter right or be maybe a photographer or, or even you know i don't know yeah. totally <laughs> well, on ancestral totally. ink right like i gave anna co-directing credit because okay really she did most of the work <laughs> on set like okay. i i did most of the producing to get it set up get it there or right? i should say i did all the producing because sure yeah she <laughs> build it. but like it was you know it was a collaborative collaborative effort and i you know i I directed a little bit, but Anna was the one that had the camera. She was mm -hmm. getting all the shots, and you know, once in a while, I was like, "Hey, can we get this shot?" And she's like, "Yeah, sure." Even though she <laughs> I guess. got, I don't even think any of the shots I told you to get, we did not use. <laughs> oh no! I was like, "Let's get a cool, like, uh, you know, like pan or a, a, on your on, on your my slider. glider, yeah." <laughs> let's do, a, let's do a, a time lapse. Did not use any of those shots that I asked but for. But we had it, so that's we all that it, matters. Yeah. It was just nice too, because I was just like I hadn't shot in a while, and I was like, mm. can I just? I'm just gonna like get this. I'm gonna do this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was fun. It was really fun. You shot that on a red? No, I have a Black Magic 4K. Oh, nice! Mm -hmm. I love that camera. Yeah, it's great. It's a poor man's red. As the they poor call man's it. red, sure. <laughs> hey, those things are. I don't beautiful. know. We shot something last week on the on the new one, the 6K. What do you say? It's it is magic. It's, yeah, it's as close to. It really is. It it reminds me of like ten years ago when people were using like the five D or the seven D. Right. Where like it gave a really good image, mm -hmm. it just wasn't like cinema quality. Sure. But it's still beautiful. It's it's amazing for 
short films or independent films. Right. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't put too much stock in that cinema camera thing until I shot something back in November on a red. It's that janky old red that they have in Fava. I think it's like a red. <laughs> oh, and they're loud. It's, it's, it is their epic. It's just like yeah. 10 years ago epic. Right. But then to see that footage, it's like, oh. There is yeah. something there that can't be replicated on a smaller mm-hmm. sensor. No. Mm-hmm. You know? So is that something that you prioritize, Eric, when you're gearing up for something? Like, you got to have that camera? It Honestly, it depends on what I'm shooting. Right. Like, if I were to shoot, like, let's say a really cool historical Western, mm-hmm. which I'm actually writing. <laughs> nice. Uh, I would love to shoot that on film. Because yeah. it just, it, 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 to me, it comes down to what the story is and what, what kind of imagery I want to portray and like and if it's something that's like a fast paced quirky comedy it doesn't need to be film it doesn't even need to be a red epic no it just needs to be good and funny and the quality of sure camera to me doesn't really matter like I can mm. I, I base a lot of my stuff off of Always Sunny in Philadelphia <laughs> okay. where their first seven seasons was shot on the DVX 100 really which anyone who came up in the early 2000s as a filmmaker like myself that camera was crap (laughs) but it was amazing (laughs) crap how so just the quality the quality the quality it's a little you know DV camera with a little tape and barely any kind of white balance or any kind of yeah overexposed a lot (laughs) but it was I loved shooting I shot a, a really crappy feature film on that thing mm, nice will possibly never see the light of day good, good but the footage was amazing weird eh yeah. like so just not user friendly but it could deliver if you could just get it there kind yeah. of thing yeah there was an era there of digital video like the early 2000s to maybe 2010 or so where there's like i love that look like some like the british version of the office comes to mind the mm-hmm. movie foobar those are just two of my personals yeah. there's something I think you know? if you like were to make a film and you chose to do it in the like in the era of like in two thousands or whatever, mm-hmm. then I would go with a DV camera. Yeah. Same with film. Like if you're doing a historical film, like I would film it on film. Yeah. Sure. Because it just suits the time, and you can't really get the film look by shooting it on a. So you try. You get close. But it's it's not. It's still not like the lighthouse. They mm. shot that all on film. Sure. And it's beautiful. Yeah. Right. Like, black and white film yeah black and white actually like i I, when i was in halifax the a guy had to like he was like the main i can't remember his name but main film dude and uh he had to like he was the only person that was able to that knew how to load film into a camera so he had that was his job (laughs) it's a good job yeah yeah mm -hmm. is that dying as a medium film like celluloid do you guys know Uh, i i've it de- it's hard to say because there's a lot of filmmakers that still use it mm-hmm. like Tarantino still uses it mm-hmm. uh, Christopher Nolan so like as long as these big names are still right. using it I, st- I think there's a place for it mm-hmm. it just has to be the right place the same with like digital cinema right like there mm-hmm. there needs to be a place for those cameras the same there, is, there needs to be for film yeah yeah totally I like what you're saying The med- like it's kind of like the medium is the message it's like mm-hmm. shoot it on what's going to serve the story mm-hmm. yeah Hadn't thought about that. I would just always get the best camera I could get my hands on. But right? Yeah. That's a little, that's a little heavy-handed, maybe <laughs> in a way. <laughs> I mean, you still look, make it look good, like you said. Like mm-hmm. it's a DV camera, and yeah. it's no well, nowadays I mean, it's trash. But I mean, for the time, and people did good work with it. Twenty-eight so. days later, still holds up as one of the best zombie films, and that was shot on a camera that you can you could at the time buy for two thousand dollars. 
What camera was that? Um, it was a Canon... Like a 5D? No, the, this, this was before the DSLRs kind of came out. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the exact name of it, but it was just like a, like a DV camera, nothing special. Wow. $1,000, $2,000, so I think he had like three on set. Mm-hmm. And that's all he had. That's all he needed. You have to remember that really... Depend, I guess depending who you talk to, but really that is secondary, right? The story, mm-hmm. like I had a guy who used to say, you could shoot it on a potato, right? Like as long as, <laughs> as long as the story holds up. Yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Story and sounds. If if you don't have good sound, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I think that's sound what a lot is... of people overlook is you can have a crappy camera mm-hmm. and amazing sound, and you right. can have an amazing camera and crappy sound. Which film are you going to watch? Yeah, people the are going to one that notice. you can't hear, or the one that mm-hmm. you can. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, why do you think that is? Sound? Yeah. Like you're just paying attention. You're not paying attention to the image anymore. You're paying right. attention to the sound, yeah. so you're just so distracted by it. Right. But like, if you right. there's a let's say um, trying to think of a movie like Pitch Pitch Black mm-hmm. or Pitch Dark, whatever that movie was with Vin Diesel back in oh god yeah Pitch Black. I think it's Pitch Black. Been a while. Like that film, you know, <laughs> been a while was, since I've seen that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If that if that film didn't have amazing sound, mm. it would have just been a really crappy sounding movie with right. Vin Diesel. That you Mainly in the dark. <laughs> that you couldn't see. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I wanted to ask, we were talking this, and a bit about this on the way over, how you're, you're more of a rural upbringing. Mm-hmm. And I, I was really struggling. I'm like, do I want to draw a comparison between these two people as little as I know them? And I don't want to do that. But like, I wonder, do you find a similarity with your backgrounds that maybe drew you to, to the same stories, to the same places? Or has it just been like, I can get along with this person? I, first of all, I did not grow up rural at no. all. I, I grew up in Fort McMurray. That's okay. like, you know, that's small town city. But you're sort of, okay, sure. sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did. I mean, I, I grew up in, you know, in the middle of the nowhere. Mm-hmm. So going into the, you know, going to the bush was no crazy. Like we just Yeah, I mean, like we both like the hunting and stuff yeah. like that. Okay. And like also like, you know, Fort Mac is super oil driven and where I'm from also is too. So yes. I don't know. I guess there's maybe that. <laughs> We're definitely not oil folk. No, right? no, no. No, and I don't want to force you guys to compare yourselves because for me, for my show or whatever, but uh, is there something that like film became a way to express something or your stories were, do you guys talk about maybe ideas that you have for films? You know what I'm getting at here? Well, for, for me, I'd always been like, so for, for your listeners who don't know me, I'm indigenous mm-hmm. and we... You know, we're very natural storytellers. Mm-hmm. A lot of our, mm-hmm. a lot of our history and culture is shared through story. Mm-hmm. And I'd been told stories from my uncle since I was I could listen. <laughs> so since I was like two or three years old. Sure. And I just always liked telling stories and hearing stories. And then I started kind of getting into acting when I was younger. Okay. Because I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> I just liked it. And then I, I started falling more into filmmaking and storytelling. And okay. I, it, to me, it was just, I'd always been creative and it had nothing to do with where I grew up. It was just how I grew up. Okay. So. Right on. Cool. It just, it was, there was no question that that's what you'd be. Yeah. You feel See, the same way? I was very opposite. Okay. I had no idea what I wanted to be. I actually still, I maybe don't know what I want to be when I grow up, but film is definitely my passion, but I never was like a film. I was so shy. Mm. Like. I, but I was artistic. Okay. Like I was always the kid like that everybody would go to to ask to draw for their project or something. But, <laughs> um, but like my favorite movie was Wayne's World. Like I never, I wasn't a film 
person. And then I had met somebody, and then they helped me become this, like, crazy nerd. Um, now you're just a big Agnes Varda fan. Yeah, now I'm just a big <laughs> oh, nice. Agnes Varda fan. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, She's the OG. Yeah, no, so... But no, I I, um, I went to school for design and photography okay. at McEwen, and then that's where I, I had one video class, and I just mm. fell in love, and I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do, because you can add all the elements, right. you yep. know, and I, I like that. I like that there's so many layers to it. Um, but like prior, like I, I started to go to university at 23, but before that I was working in the oil field. I was doing volunteer oh. firefighting. I was a, worked in a butcher shop. I was just doing so many random things to like... Huh. Just be, I don't know, be, figure yourself. out yeah. what I wanted to do. Those were definitely things I don't want to do, <laughs> but I learned that I didn't want to do them. So, sure. yeah. Okay, yeah. can we go back to the Wayne's World thing really quick? Yeah, let's, yeah. <laughs> let's rewind the tape. Wayne's I, World, not a bad movie. It, but. No, it's, I, I feel like a lot of, there's a lot of pretentious filmmakers out there that are like, oh, my favorite movie is uh, 800 Blows, whatever that movie sure. is. Yeah, oh, yeah. 400 <laughs> Blows. <laughs> yes. But it's like... I, one thing is, <laughs> I, I, too many, like, there's, if you love film, it doesn't matter what it is, right? Like, right. I love, I hated Avatar, love Piranha 3D. Both came out in the same year. Sure. Piranha 3D had better 3D, I think. Okay. Just saying. All right, all right. But it's like. Dropping bombs. <laughs> I will, I hate Avatar. With yeah, passion. No, I, I, don't, I don't think I ever saw it again after seeing no, it. No, same here. Time. I think I've watched no. it once. <laughs> but it's like, I, I, too many, like, young filmmakers have, mm. feel like they have to be pretentious with the movies they watch right. it's like no i love coyote ugly and i also love almost famous both came out in the same year both have to do with following your dreams both just were one's amazing and one's ridiculous interesting it doesn't matter doesn't matter if you love film you love film that's mm -hmm. weird that's that is weird that film like cinephilia or like being a fan of cinema and film production seems to draw in people who are like to be pretentious but i don't know other art scenes at all maybe mm -hmm. it's you guys seen? Well, people would ask me, like, who's your favorite director when I first got into film? And I was like, I don't know. Me. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm my me? Character. I'm the best. Yeah. Um. <laughs> no, it's the same. When I went to film school, everyone was like, oh, who's your favorite director? I'm like, Robert Rodriguez. I'm, because the guy made a movie, his first movie, on $8,000. With his own blood donation money. Exactly. Wasn't that? What? But yeah. he's not like, you know, if you think of filmmakers, you wouldn't think of him as, like, That's someone to. Yeah. To follow because his films were always just over the top action films. But right. I liked what he did. I I remember watching Desperado as a kid yeah. and yeah. thinking that was awesome. And right. like I just I loved the, what he did with his career and right. you know what he's doing with his career now. He might have a few flops, Spy Kids 3D, uh -huh. but <laughs> still you know for every Spy Kid 3D, there's Sin City and sure whatever mm -hmm. else. So yeah, yeah, it, it is a personal thing, right? And there's. I find that there's that gatekeeping in almost anything. There's these people that seem to be the arbiters of what's what's good, what's high art. But really, you have to strip that away. That's just oh, yeah. mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. So, who is your favorite director, though? Well, I'm like I'm a huge Varda fan now. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sad that she died. Yeah, that um, was pretty recent, right? Yeah, it was in 2019. Okay. Yeah. Um, also, but I'm like um, I'm also like a doc person so like Werner right. Herzog is definitely somebody that I mean I, Werner's just oh he's an animal <laughs> I would love to meet him <laughs> would you have, you might not no I might like yeah don't meet your heroes sometimes because <laughs> they might turn out to be assholes but uh I feel like because I have that German background that I could like get to that like monotone level sure and like <laughs> be that serious European for like 
Grizzly Man bit. is still the most ridiculous oh, man. It's so ridiculous. Funny dog, funniest document. It's not supposed to be funny, but with his narration, it's just right. way too funny. Oh, I tried. <laughs> when he's talking about the bears eating that guy's like the bears. <laughs> The bears are eating him. I'm like, this is just way too funny. <laughs> yeah. we, we know, Werner, like that. Yeah, Yeah, he died a horrible death. Yeah, he totally <laughs> did. He, I mean, that's his own fault. He shouldn't be hanging around grizzly bears. Oh, that was but ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyone who's grown, that, that's a whole other subject. I don't want to get into that. <laughs> city <laughs> city people that want to pretend to be bush people are the worst. Oh, okay. I'm oh so my gosh, yes. What do you guys call us? Sidiots? Is that a thing? I don't know. I've never heard that until just oh, now. Okay. Uh, <laughs> It's been thrown around a few times, yeah. <laughs> Please tell me about that because that's kind of interesting. Well, it just I I grew up in a in a world where we respect nature and we don't, you know. Mm-hmm. If I see a bear, I'm not gonna be like, oh, that's my friend. Right. I'm yeah. friends with this giant grizzly bear. No, I'm going to go this the way, way. Yeah. away from the bear because I respect it way too much to get involved with it. Like I think a lot of people that come from the city that want to live in the bush and live sure. off the grid don't realize that that's not your place <laughs> sure like yes it's okay to go and and you know experience nature mm-hmm. and whatnot mm-hmm. but remember that that's not your place to be <laughs> right it's not your place you, you could you could you assume that eventually like could you could you make it your place if you did it the right way like you're talking about well, people yeah, I think Treadwell just really wanted to be a bear, really. Yes, that's, right. a that's yeah. a different issue. Yeah. But I totally, I do get that. I mean, coming from a rural background as well, yeah. like people coming in and thinking that it's easy. It's not. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I had a big argument with van people the other day. Van people? Van people. People oh, yeah. that, so I don't, I have no, if you want to live out of your van, live out of your van. <laughs> but sure. don't make homelessness trendy. Okay. Because there are people that live in that live in their vans, <laughs> not by choice. Right. They are literally are forced into living in their vans, and these people are like, "Oh, you know, I just want to get away from the capitalism culture." I'm decentralized. Like, like, but you are making <laughs> money off of your Instagram wow. account. Okay. Come so on. I, I know somebody like that, and we we did a short film with them, so I won't say too much about it, but. <clears throat> It seemed it seemed a little bit like escapism, like you're just kind of running oh, away sure. from, mm-hmm. right? Which again, there's nothing wrong with it. Just don't try to make it a trend or try to right. be something you're not. Well, it's like TikTok, though. Like that's that's what's kind of brought it more to life because so many people are like, I I have quit my six figure job and now I live in a van and how could like anybody can do this? And it's like, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> not everybody sure. can. No. People have no. kids. People have families. People yeah. Have, so many things but it's a privilege thing right like and they don't realize i've had i told them that i'm like you guys have privilege like no we don't i grew up poor i'm like no you didn't (laughs) you think you did (laughs) you still lived in a house you still had a family you can still go back to that house once you're done living your van life right that's been that's an interesting word privilege because that a lot of people actually somehow get offended by being called privileged i wish i was privileged (laughs) (laughs) do you know like i grew up being made fun of because I'm a mixed race kid. Okay. And I didn't have the same privileges as other people, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I, there's people don't realize like how much privilege they have yes. until they don't have any. Sure. And for me, yes, maybe I got a few little things because a lot of my other stuff had been stripped away from me. Okay. Like most people know their family history. Mm-hmm. I don't know my family history. Mm. I know a little bit. Okay. But my family history was stripped away, at least on my, on my native side, sure. because of 
colonialism, mm-hmm. right? Which is a word I don't use a lot of. No, I do not. I, I, I don't like using the word colonialism or colonizing. Sure. I don't know why. <laughs> I no, think it's just been used way too much. But over, I mean, yeah, I, I do agree with it, with the idea of it. Mm-hmm. But it's like a lot of people know where their family comes from. I uh-huh. don't. A lot of people Interesting. Um, can walk, can go into a bar, True. have a order, a drink, and not be thought of as the drunk native. Right. Whereas I, you know, not all my friends thought that, but a lot of people would like, like, oh, you know, Eric's having too many drinks. He's a drunk native. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm having the exact same amount of drinks as you. Yeah, whitey. <laughs> yeah. But I think a lot, like a lot of people don't realize the privilege they have, right? Like, and it doesn't just mean like you get, you know, you're rich or whatever. It's mm-hmm. just you don't have to deal with the same kind of stuff that we have to deal with, like discrimination okay. and, and racism and bigotry and whatever else. I no, that's well hope said. That man. makes some kind of sense. Absolutely, no. I, 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 pre- no, I totally agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you? So, ha- from your point of view, same thing or well, similar? Well, like I, you know, I, like rural Alberta is like super racist, <laughs> <Yes it laughs> especially is. to Indigenous folk, and um, you know, I deal with that within my own family with like stereotypes, and I'm like, that's not cool to say. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> I mean, I love my family, but there's like there's this layered of like they think that indigenous get handed everything and you know like they have this conversation well i worked hard for this and i'm like yeah but also being white (laughs) is a lot easier to get things handed to you but they don't they don't know that and they'd actually like there's so many people that don't know hardship but they think they do Mm. and yeah it's it's been an interesting uh coming home and having conversations about this to like see if you can drill it into their brains a little bit but i wish i got stuff handed out to me <laughs> well they, yeah they're like oh they get free this free this free that and i'm free like fireworks i yeah. wish i got free, free fireworks there was, there yeah. was one video where they I said they got, got free, free minivans and there's this there's this guy in lethbridge that made a video and he's like this is the best stereotype ever and he's an indigenous man that's great yeah and he's like i should show you the video it's really funny that's so ridiculous though where people right? are like oh you got free things i'm like no, I don't. <laughs> They're uh, like, you got free education. I'm like, no, I still had to pay for half my film school. Right. So yeah. to set the record straight, have you been given any sort of handouts that you've perceived as being a, just that, charity? Um, do you guys get $5 a year from the government? <laughs> oh, wow, big spender. Oh, wow. What do you spend what it you on? Spend <laughs> uh, what I do is I wait a few years so it adds up. Oh, oh nice. yeah. So mm-hmm. then I got like 30 bucks and I can go buy it. Starbucks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. One go at Starbucks. Honestly, I don't even think like there's. I, I don't even know. I don't. I can't think of any handouts. Sure. I got. I got a little bit of money to go to school, but other than that, it was almost, almost like a scholarship. Okay. Right. Like there's. I still had to pay half of yeah, my school. Yeah, and you also need to pay for your rent. Yeah. And like you're like living as well. Like, yeah. You know. Like some places yeah. give. Because they have lots of money, mm-hmm. they give, like, I'm talking about reserves, they give, mm-hmm. you know, their students, like, a laptop and pay for the rest of their school because they have the money mm-hmm. because they, you know, share resources with oil companies or something. Sure. Mm-hmm. But for me, I didn't have that. No. You know, I, I had to, I, actually, I had to fight to get my, to go to film school because the people that I had to go through, they were like, well... You're going to school in in Los Angeles, and it's a year program, and we don't really want to pay for that. But it's an education. Yeah. Why can't I? Why, like, yeah, exactly. Interesting. Gonna, They'd rather you just went to trade school. Basically. Or, yeah. They were like, they're probably thinking like, why don't you just go to Keanu College, which is a, a tiny ass college in Fort McMurray? And I'm like, I don't want to go there. Right. 
I know everything already. I don't even want to go to Nate or whatever, whatever <laughs> schools here have film well, programs. They are no, funded no, no. by like industry as well, some of them. So it just feels like it's geared to that. Yeah. When yeah. it's like t- kind of taking away the artistry, you know. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about what you said about rural Alberta being pretty racist. I, <laughs> I interviewed a couple people who they covered some of the stuff that went down in Red Deer back in the fall mm-hmm. for City News. And maybe you see it in, in Fort McMurray too. Like, what is being away from the big urban centers? Why does that? Why do the racist ideas seem to really be so pervasive there? Do you think? Um, I think maybe because they don't know. They only know their backyard. They sure. only know what's comfort comfortable to them. Like, yep. there's so many people that have never left Alberta. You know, haven't experienced other, or put themselves in other people's shoes, right? Or they have, and it's just a resort in Mexico. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm sorry, but that doesn't count, okay? (laughs) Like, at all. So, yeah. And, like, I'm grateful I have very progressive parents. Like, they're amazing. I love them to pieces for their brains, because it would be a lot more difficult if it, that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, our neighbors that come over and stuff like that, I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, but where do you get these ideas? And, like, mm-hmm. so many people, um, you know, they, the algorithm within their phones that they search, sure. you know, it caters to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've found that. Um, and also just, like, um, like growing up in rural Alberta, like I graduated with, like, 20 people in my class. I went right. from kindergarten to grade 12 in the same school. And... Um, the curriculum was trash and it still is trash. trash. (laughs) I didn't learn anything about like what we did to the native people. Well, that's a new thing. Like residential schools is a new thing. They just started. I mean, well now they're getting rid of it again, (laughs) but they just introduced it like within the last 10 years. Whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, I never learned about, I didn't learn about a residential school until I was out of school. Yeah. Yeah. I was in university. Yes. And yeah. And it's like, well, this is, bullshit <laughs> and there's literally like i don't know where i am right now st albert over in st albert there's you know there was a residential school there and you can walk the grounds and see where the graves are Damn. you know there's no gravestones, but you sure. know that there's bodies under the ground right and like that's just you know just outside of edmonton and how many people know that mm-hmm. right? well, i didn't know that so exactly. there you, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> i didn't know that until my brother worked there because it's a it's like a drug addiction place now. Oh, okay. And a mental health place, so. Right. Which is, you could say, kind of ironic because a lot of the traumas that occurred in the residential schools are filtering down and yeah. leading to those sorts of behaviors now. Well, I think that's why they opened it there, right? So it's like this place okay. used to be a place of, of negativity. Now we're trying to make it something positive. Right on. That's why they opened it there. Okay. Yeah, so do you do you have wider ambitions of maybe making some projects that tackle some of those bigger issues? Like, I, you see sort of the starts of it, I think, in some of your work, but do you, do you want to take that on more boldly? or No, because there are better filmmakers out there than me. <laughs> um, someone like me, so I, I don't, I don't want to pigeonhole myself into being an Indigenous filmmaker. Okay. This is something I, I say a lot. Like, yes, there are stories that I want to tell that are Indigenous-based, but for every whatever you know cultural story i have i got one about people working in a video store in the 90s nice yeah so like i don't i don't want to just make those stories because there are people that like i i didn't grow up on the res i didn't grow up in a you know i had good parents and none of them were alcoholics or anything like that so i don't i don't know that trauma i don't come from a family of 
residential school survivors. Okay. So that's those stories are for for you know other people to tell. Interesting. I just want to tell the stories that I like, which is you know things that I know. Going to the bar, <laughs> going to therapy, which I should probably do, but I don't. <laughs> You don't go to therapy? No, but yeah. I feel like writing about going to therapy is good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, sure. But yeah, Acting those, as a therapist. As, right? an act, as a therapist on screen. <laughs> I kind of like that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, I just, I don't want to to be known as an Indigenous filmmaker. The, like, you know, I, I use Taika Waititi a lot as my sure. my inspiration for this idea because, you know, he made Boy and Hunt for the Wilder People, so which good. kind mm-hmm. of deal with Maori culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, boy more so but he also makes you know what we do in the shadows and right. Thor and Jojo Rabbit so like he doesn't he doesn't stick himself into mm-hmm. making stories about Maori people he'll throw a bit of his culture in it depending mm-hmm. um, like what he did with uh, Thor you know he used a lot of artwork in his way of showing you cool. know, his Maori culture and mm-hmm. maybe not Jojo Rabbit other than him playing Hitler. Right. <laughs> Bold but, move. But, yeah. You know, he, he still shows his roots. Yeah. But also shows his other side. Yeah. His other like, that's side. the type of person I am. Like, I don't, I'm just, I love comedy. I love action. I love mm-hmm. horror films. And those are the films I want to make. Sure. I don't want to just make the sad native <laughs> movies that make people cry. I want to make people laugh. Sure. Make them scared. Like, you know, maybe do the Jordan Peele thing where I make yeah. a horror film. Nice. I don't know what, but I will. <laughs> hey, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Because um, it's kind of reductive reductive to say I'm an indigenous filmmaker. Well, it's like, well, how about I'm just a filmmaker? Yeah. You know, like, do can... you guys call you yourselves white filmmakers? Yeah, I'm a woman filmmaker. Yeah. Well, okay. So, <laughs> maybe I should have said that. <laughs> Same thing for you then, do you feel sometimes? Oh, yeah, like, definitely. Yeah. You don't have to focus on women's issues. No, no, definitely not. And, like, you know, um, I'm more into, like, the dark side of things, mm-hmm. but I also am, like, huge on representation. Like, I would go with what I know or make sure, like, whatever I'm, the story is, that mm-hmm. it's I'm not, like shooting it from my perspective and making it that type of film if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean i haven't worked in the industry that long to like i don't know feel like i'm put into something i just i'm just coming in as a filmmaker and Mm -hmm. i'm just like eager to be a part of it sure sure (laughs) um but yeah so i don't know i kind of i kind of wish that that was the mindset of everyone like you don't have to be Ex filmmaker, you can just be filmmaker, right? Yeah. But everyone, because it's so taboo, it's like, why? Why is it such a taboo to see, you know, Taika Waititi or Jordan Peele or mm-hmm. Guillermo del Toro making films? Like it shouldn't be. Like I, right. you shouldn't look at Guillermo Guillermo, Guillermo, <laughs> Guillermo del Toro and be like, oh, he's a Mexican director. No, he's a director right. from Mexico, right? Who makes the craziest fantasy horror totally. films you've ever seen they're so good I, I just don't think in filmmaking that or in any art that you should be put into a category it's like even genre at the same yeah. point like yep. you know it's art and it and it should be perceived by everybody in, yeah. in any way it shouldn't be like well it's horror or it's mm-hmm. that like it could be so many other things you yeah. know so yep. um, well if you look at like you know Spielberg is the biggest name in, the, <laughs> in film history right? right and he got there because he didn't just make films about Jewish people. You know, he did Point Schindler's of, List, they he did, did Hook, List. he did E.T. Like he just, yeah. he makes films that he loved growing up and he did them the way he wanted to. And I think that's why his name will forever be known in film history because he didn't stick to making films about Jewish people. He made films about 
whoever he wanted to because right. just like Anna, like you, like myself, we we want to make films that we loved watching growing up. Yeah. And whatever that is. Yep. I think that's it too. And like all this identity based stuff that's going on today in the culture, they say that it, they say that it's to serve the people who are oppressed or minorities or whatever you want to say. But to me, it, it reduces them to something. And it also takes like, okay, you don't want to, you're an indigenous filmmaker, apparently. And now all the problems of the indigenous are yours to solve. It's like, what? I never no. asked for that. Just like not mm-hmm. all women's problems are your problems to solve either. No, exactly. I even had, like, I was speaking to this woman who works with a lot of, like, um, film festivals. And she, like, she straight up said this to me. She's like, make sure you put somebody of color in your work because then you'll get into more festivals. And right. I was like, did you actually just say that? Yeah. Say, just say what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> what? I'm like, that's not good advice that you should give to anybody. Right. Uh, it, you should have whoever you want in your film and shouldn't tokenize somebody. Right. Like, but you you said on the uh, Story Hive thing, you were instructed that you had to have a woman on your crew. Yeah, and that's why, like I said, it was kind of counterproductive because it was like you need at least one person in the creative side right so whether that's a production designer cinematographer yep. whatever and i'm like well you know some people might just grab a, a woman and be like you're my production designer right whereas like you know why would i just need like there are so many talented women out there that mm-hmm. aren't getting you know the shots that they're getting right. so i hired a dp that was a female mm-hmm. my first assistant camera was female Anna, who did a lot of stuff, was... She in. apparently directed the movie. So. Yeah, no, that was ancestral. <laughs> no, it was different. Oh, different. Different. <laughs> okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, you know, my production designer was female. The only person other than myself on crew was our sound person. Okay. Because apparently oh, it's, yeah. there's no sound women in the city. Interesting. <laughs> Anybody I, listening? I'm working with a project with the National Film Board, and I'm like, I'm like I want a really female-heavy-centric crew. Mm-hmm. Is there a female sound crew anywhere? And they're yeah. like, no, we don't know anyone. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know if it's just... I, I, I don't know. I thought of a bad joke and I'm not going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's sad people do sometimes fit a certain stereotype. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, they're like the quiet people in the corner that are just like... And they're like super me. into sound. Yeah. Like they're not... Yes. There's no like half-ass sound person. It's like we eat, live, and breathe mm. sound design. Sound, yeah. yeah. And they're usually pretty weird. Yeah, yeah. usually. I've, uh, yes... <laughs> Most sound people I know, and they're all great people. They're oh, yeah. very. No, I know. They're just different. They're, they're different. They, <laughs> they do. They hide in the corner, away from people. Like I worked on a feature a few years ago, and our sound guy. He or no, it's not the feature. The um, the TV pilot that okay. I, I shot on spec. For those who don't know what spec is, you just make something and hope that it gets made. Nice. But I shot a TV pilot, and our sound guy, who was like super professional, just kind of hiding in the corner. Right. And. We were on set, it was like, I think it was like the, the last day, and it was a comedy, and I have some of the best comedians in Canada on it, and he broke. And to see a sound person break on set... Oh no. You, no, 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 like, it's a good thing. Yeah. Good but like, for, to see him break on set is like, you know that you're doing something right, when the sound guy <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. loses his mind, starts laughing, almost drops the boom. Oh. Nice. Oh, I think yeah. he meant like broke, like he was crying. No, and I no, was no. Like, we, oh, made no. Him, <laughs> oh, we made him laugh so hard. He just That's lost great. his, That's his great. I don't know if I can swear on this shit. Please, please do. <laughs> I don't know what your audience is. No, I, kids won't listen to this. Fuck the audience. <laughs> fuck the audience. <laughs> Who was that? Who was the sound guy? Remember his name? No, I don't. Wow. I've worked with so many different Edmonton sound guys. Mike? Maybe it was Mike? 
Mike. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> of course he's named. Mike Olson? <laughs> I think it was Mike Olson. I cannot remember for the life yeah. of me. I don't mean to be a name. I was just curious. Maybe I knew him. There's Really, there's only like three sound guys in Edmonton. There's Johnny, Mike, sure. and some other person. Some other guy? <laughs> I know a few, but you're right. Like Eddie. Johnny Blaro, yeah. Mike. Yeah, I mean, but Johnny, Johnny's Johnny. For those who don't know who Johnny best. is, he, we were, do, I was working on a short film while we were mixing sound in his office or in his uh, studio. Mm-hmm. Literally, he got nominated for eight awards while we were mixing something else that's wild wow. yeah awesome. yeah it was kind of crazy that is crazy if you're enjoying this conversation please subscribe on youtube and give us a like if you're listening on apple podcasts please subscribe and leave a five-star review and now back to the conversation i did sound on a short last week and i could feel it making me weird yeah. <laughs> i actually really right? like doing sound and i also I really it. like sound design um i've done quite a bit of sound for like short stuff short films or whatever okay but yeah, like, because you kind of, you need to really be paying attention. It's true. And you I'm know. also the person that does get distracted. Like, I wouldn't be the best sound person because I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, what are they talking about? And, like, right. put, point the boom towards them. <laughs> and I'm pay attention. once in a while. It's a weapon, yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has, sorry, he has a no, great photo of me because, like, <laughs> I didn't realize that the director's monitor was, like, already, like, synced to, like, the camera or whatever. And, okay. And so she was doing focus. So I was making stupid faces, and then he took a photo of it. Nice. I don't think oh, I no, can recreate recording. the photo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah. Oh, good. Was it recorded? Yeah, because I, I think I took a screenshot of the footage. Yeah. So. Yeah, so that exists. <laughs> yeah, you got to watch it on set because you're being you're being seen from all angles. Oh, yeah. yeah really. Yeah. And heard, and heard, too. I think it's something like it's a visual medium, right? So everybody's into the visual mm-hmm. we're all focused on what does it look like and there's the one guy who has to just be listening yeah i found like if you've got your headphones on you can't necessarily hear if someone's talking to you over here and then you're kind of mm-hmm. it sucks you out of the flow i find yeah. you're just yeah. kind of this outsider almost you literally hear everything you're like oh there's a motorcycle outside right and you're like on the third floor do you know what i just realized that like every shoot that i've been on I cannot, for the life of me, picture the sound person. <laughs> like, that's I, a good thing, though. I think They're I worked never on a way. shoot for Marvel a few years ago. Okay. Um, just a little ad campaign. Oh yeah. Nothing crazy, but I remember every person on the crew. I remember camera. I remember um, the grips. I remember all of them. I don't mm. remember a sound person. But there was a sound person there but because so obviously. so important. <laughs> well, no, it's just like I because they're always like in the in the background yeah. hiding. I just don't remember this sound person. That's I don't fair. remember any of them, which is horrible to think. Well, about. I don't know if it's horrible. No, it's I not. It means that good. they're doing their job. Absolutely, well. they stayed yeah. out of the way, and the boom never dropped. in. you never had to look over at them. I feel like that's them. why they're different because they kind of like that. We're like we're loners, and we right. like yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You kind of like Gandalf over there with the staff. Just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, always, always around, just never seen. Right. Right. Yeah. Never seen. Never heard either. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird. <laughs> It's weird, man. But they do, if, like, again, like, we go back to our conversation sure. at the beginning of all this. If you have great sound, you have a great film. If you got bad sound... You got nothing. You got a really crappy sound yeah. person. <laughs> you got yeah. A, yeah. You, got you hired me to do it. <laughs> you got a problem. Yeah. yeah. Anna's over there pointing the boom somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I was doing sound on this short with this mixer, and it's not... It's a terrible form factor, right? Like, it had to be facing up like this. Mm-hmm. And, same time too like real sound is kind of a two to three person job like a real sound department mm-hmm. right it to, really is to boom and mix no tough gig oh yeah tough gig and they don't get enough credit no like, they don't no and there's like so many times where like booms and shot and you're like shit 
Sure. You, know, you move it up and right. <laughs> hitting them in the head. You're like, oh, so sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I spiked the director in the eye a few times with the mic. Luckily, it had the. Yeah, the was that end. mic? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did want to talk to you about the film that's sort of a header video on your website. Uh, is it The Long Goodbye or The Last? Second Goodbye. The Second Goodbye, yeah. That was like, um, I did that for school. Um, we had to come up with like a three minute short um that didn't have any speaking in it really okay it's just like visual and you had to think of sound and stuff Is that the one on the beach yeah yeah, okay. yeah. so that was fun mm-hmm. it wasn't bad for first time for first, a first, first like kind of it. like narrative thing i've ever made so yeah. yeah and the actresses were really great and i got to use like really nice camera gear and what did you shoot it on um a uh, Canon C three hundred. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Not a bad camera. No, it's no. it's not bad because like it, it's still like nice and portable, unlike the red. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and it has like internal um, polarized. Oh yeah. yeah. What do you, whatever you call those. Um, can't think of it. ND, um, ND. ND filters. Yeah, there we that's go. That's nice. Yeah, which is nice, especially being on like a beach, and then you have like the the eye focus part. But um. Kind of a cool camera, actually. Yeah. Like, it's the right... You don't have to build it out if you don't want to. Yeah. It's all there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, like, you're outside on the beach, and I'm like, I didn't really want a red. Because we, like, uh, I was going to Nazcat and, and Halifax, yep. and they have amazing gear. Right. They had all the newest reds and sound gear, and it was great to learn <laughs> on until the <laughs> pandemic showed up. Damn. And then I was like, no, I don't have the gear anymore. <laughs> and Damn. then that's why I... Went in debt and bought myself <laughs> my own kit because nice. I was like, you have I to. need it. Yeah. I just wanted to say that the slider shot that reveals the woman standing at the, you know, mm-hmm. the edge of the water and the shot of just the the IV stand and the oxygen just alone mm-hmm. were two like images that like that hammered me. I was like, holy shit. Thank you. Like they really stuck out to me, you know? The glider shot is so satisfying. That's why I bought a glider. Because I'm like, <laughs> so, I just want to keep recreating this shot. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so people, that was the right use of a slider, I would mm. say. Sometimes people just use sliders because, yeah, you know, they fair. can. Like in my mm. project. I'm yeah. so like, that's why I didn't use it. Yeah, you're it, like, just, mm, this is it looked cool. It just didn't fit <laughs> right. the structure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, not to say what, there's, there's ultimately any, you can use whatever you want, fine. Mm-hmm. You don't have to justify it. But to me, the slider is great for those reveals. Yeah. You know? It's kind of like drone shots and using a gimbal. Like, people just yeah. overuse it, and then mm-hmm. you lose the emotion part of it, you right. know? Or it just becomes, like, a traveling, like, YouTube video. Right. You know? yeah. Right. <laughs> like, I, I worked on a feature a few years ago, um, still unreleased, but we used a, a dolly a lot. Okay. Um, and I mean, it looked cool, but... I don't know if it had a place in sure. it. Sure, <laughs> yeah. Um, it just, it made it, it, I know that like they were obviously going for like, to give it a bigger looking budget, mm-hmm. but it's like this, you know, this kind of project seems like it's more of a run and gun, mm-hmm. you know, shoulder mount, gimbal, whatever, mm-hmm. not just setting up a dolly every Oh, and it's every so shot. time consuming and also you gotta to like, level it. yeah, exactly. Because that, you know, that takes up at least an hour, two hours of your time to get everything set up off the truck and... Mm-hmm. Like if you have the crew for it, sure, go ahead, do as many dolly shots as you want. Right. But when you don't have the crew for it, and you're, you know, it's just it's way too much. Mm-hmm. I hear you. People talk about the cinematic image, and maybe that's like shallow depth of field or a certain sort of sensor to mm-hmm. give it that grain or whatever lit lit in a sort of low key way, you know, with that shadows and whatever you want to say. To me, the cinematic image is something like the, 
every camera choice, every lighting choice has to suit the story. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, like there's so much thought that needs to go into it. It's not just go and shoot it. There's like the mise en scene. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a while. I haven't heard that since film school. <laughs> mise en scene. It's fresh in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> what is mise en scene again? It's like whatever's within the frame that creates meaning. Sure. So, and that that includes the actors as well. I think that I may have like messed that. Uh, no, that's that's the, the nitty gritty of it. Yeah, because right? it's, it's French for what? That mises make like metra yeah. is the verb make. Mm-hmm. It's like make the scene, right? So if you, let's say you're shooting a bar scene, right? But you don't have any liquor in the bar. Yeah, you fucked and up. Then it's you messed up. Exactly, <laughs> and then it's the actors' expressions, it's their makeup, like it's everything within the frame, and it has to like create flow and meaning, and hmm. and not just, yep. you know, there's so much thought that needs to go yeah. into it. Things need to be on the screen for a reason, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, if you there's some movies that just like have something in the background, but you have to think like, why is that there? Why is that in the background? You know, you're in a doctor's office and they have all their plaques on the wall. There's a reason why there's all this sure. plaques. That tells you that this guy's a doctor. He's probably mm-hmm. a good one. Or she. I shouldn't say he. No. This person. How, how <laughs> dare you? This is over. <laughs> and it's funny because like within, in film school, you have to like really analyze all these different films from all these different directors, which I love. But sometimes I'm like, maybe they just did it because they thought it looked cool. Not like, yep. oh, this is this it's meant true. communist communism yeah. in <laughs> this <laughs> era and the Cold War really replicated yeah. in his face. And I'm like, yes. maybe they just thought it looked super rad. What's, what's that great <laughs> yeah. analogy? It's like, author writes that there's a blue curtain and a, the uh, English teacher, what's the di- what's the meaning of that purple curtain? Right. <laughs> and the writer's like, I just wrote a purple curtain. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's like exactly. Sometimes it's just there's stuff there that are there for no other reason. It's true. Mm-hmm. How do you know that in the case of a film, they didn't just get the location and didn't touch anything? We're like, this is sick. Yeah. Let's yeah. just shoot it. Yeah, exactly. Well, like the bar in Reserved, okay. all, I think all that really my production designer did was put up a couple little like crappy dollar store party supplies to make it look a little more raggedy. Sure. Other than that, the bar was really raggedy. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> raggedy I don't enough. think we had to do any work to it, but it, it just added a little bit more, mm-hmm. a little more shine to it. Sure. That's, yeah. That's cool though that the, the storytelling in film works on so many levels, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, like you say, like maybe the purple curtain is just a purple curtain, but is it? To somebody you know, else, they're like, oh my god, it reminds me of my grandma's house. And this right, is and then there's, back. there's the <laughs> interpretation, for that's sure. That's the, the amazing thing about film, right? It's like, people can watch the same movie. You know, you go to a theater and there's a hundred people watching. Right. Not every, all those hundred people are going to come out and be like, wow, that movie was great. <laughs> people are going to be like, that movie sucked. That movie was great. That movie reminded me of my childhood. Right? People go and see art and get different interpretations of it. You know, if, yes. if all three of us went to... Um, look at that rock over there. Mm-hmm. You know, you see a rock with writing on it. I see a rock with culture and history. Sure. Anna might mm-hmm. see uh, some kind of cool. I don't know. I, I hear you. She <laughs> might. She might look deeper at the the patterns of the the colors and whatnot. The yeah. texture of the rock. Mm-hmm. For those those who don't know, there's a we're sitting next to like a, an indigenous <laughs> park with lots of cool art. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. <laughs> this is. I've actually never been here. I always I go down on that side of things, which you made the right call to come here. Yeah, it's a little bit yeah. quieter over here. It mm-hmm. is. It is totally. Yeah. I just want to keep talking. <laughs> no, I would. I would. I totally would. I, I don't know I, how long your podcast wants oh, to be. There's no, there's no limit. My only thing is I want it to be somewhere by four, but I'm no, not. I'm it's not only 2.30. Is it? Oh, it is two. We're rocking. We're rocking. We got this. Yeah. All right. 
What else can we talk about? Yeah, I can I can trim this. <laughs> I, I had I didn't do a ton of prep. I just I thought you guys were sort of like me and that you're in the same sort of line of work, so I figured, you know. Yeah, have a conversation. We both mm. we are all of us are really into film. Which I is just I, nice. I just like talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't talked to anyone outside of my little bubble in in months. <laughs> I know. I see people and I'm just like word vomiting yeah. Yeah. everything. I'm like ah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm vaccinated now. I can start. Oh, are you? I'm only half vaccinated. vaccinated. Well, yeah, I'm yeah. half vaccinated. I don't get my next shot until like four months or something. Yeah, I can't get mine until August. <laughs> so stupid. Was it ever a question to you two that you would not get the vaccine? You always no. just knew as soon as it comes, I'm getting it. Um, I am. I'm first. not a conspiracy theorist. Okay. I, I'm not, <laughs> I know nothing about medicine or science. If a doctor tells me it's good, I'm going to take it. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, I mean, I was at, like, at first when, like, the pandemic hit, if they, like, came out with a vaccine, like, a month after COVID, I'd have been like, eh, maybe. Yeah, I feel like right this in. is, like, too soon, but, like, it's been a year. And also, like, my mom's a nurse, and, okay. like, we talk about, like, she knows more than I do about all these types of things. Right. And uh, I'm like, I eat crap food and i sometimes drink a lot like occasionally (laughs) like i've done terrible things to my body i'm like i'm pretty sure this is not (laughs) the one that's gonna get you yeah exactly i'm not gonna listen to the person on my friends list that failed grade nine (laughs) why would i listen to that person when i exactly to people like i have a a friend who's a literal doctor in the u.s (laughs) i would rather listen to him than the guy that we did not graduate with because he didn't graduate right and like all the money was pulled into making this vaccine because they don't want this to keep happening so like obviously you know these scientists are putting time into like help the planet so i i I, I hear you i think that's the right thing to think yeah but my twitter timeline is full of the opposite Oh, yeah. And so mm-hmm. I don't know what to think. But then you think, well, you know, in the past, people like that wouldn't have had a platform to say any of this shit. Yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. And so I think that's the issue, is that these people... Um, is that a prison bus? Oh, God. Here we go. It looks like a prison bus. It's about to get a lot more exciting. <laughs> no, the guy that's driving the bus looks like he's wearing a skater hat. Yeah, well, I think it's a wedding. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> I think that's the issue with social media now, right? Yeah. Like, people that... I mean, there's good and bad to it, right? There's... Yeah. You know, people that are speaking up about injustices that we couldn't have spoken up about right. before. And then you got the idiot who's like, uh, the mask doesn't work. I haven't been sick in a year. Tell me that mask doesn't work. <laughs> I, haven't I, even, I, I haven't even gotten a cold. No, I know. I didn't get it either this year. Which I usually get like three times a year because people are just disgusting. <laughs> also, like face. people are like, oh my god, this is against my human rights. I'm like, I can list off so many things that's against human rights, and masks are not yeah. one no. of them. No, <laughs> like we are sitting in a park right now, talking on a podcast. Mm. That's not a police state. No, absolutely. There are no police yeah. coming here to knock our brains out. <laughs> You're right. Like people but don't realize what. A like state also, is. this comes down to privilege again. Like, exactly. You sure. know, like okay. <laughs> I I know what government control is because I have a card in my pocket that tells me what my culture is, what yeah. my race is. Do you guys have that? No, no. no. exactly. <laughs> I wish I, I know had. what a government control is. Interesting. Not barely control. No. Like four years ago, sure. Twenty twenty one, not as much. But it's like people don't realize how much freedom they have. Wearing a mask, getting a vaccine, or not getting a vaccine because mm-hmm. you have, you have the freedom not to. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just because some places are saying you can't travel to our country without a vaccine is not new. Mm-hmm. If you want to mm-hmm. go, you went to Portugal, 
Mm-hmm. Did you need to get a vaccine? No, but if no. I go to like South America or something, yeah, you, you still know, need to get a there's vaccine. malaria. There's like, good point. Yeah, those people don't realize things. like they're and another idea when you talk about the privilege with that stuff, right? Sure. It's like there are countries in this world right now that wish they had the privileges that we have, where they can go to shoppers drug mart and get a vaccine. Yep. But they can't because they don't have drug stores they can go to. They have to walk 30, 40 kilometers to a, you know, Red Cross tent to get a vaccine. People, I, I think that's, that's just the, the mindset of a lot of people is ridiculous. Yep. It's interesting that that anti-vax, uh, you know, anti-lockdown uh, movement really does seem to take hold in the rural areas also with that other sort of Oh God! Super conservative, or closed-minded. But it's also interesting that. Would you think that maybe the conservative mindset might be more towards like being in favor of conserving and getting that vaccine? And like, I, I feel like the no. politics of the day are just. It's hard because it's like sense. at this no. point, like I'm just like frustrated with the conversation of conservative and liberal. Are you sure. conservative? Are you it's a liberal? And enough, it's like right? I don't, I don't want to be put into this category of what I am. Like I just, I don't. You know, my ideals don't always line up with what party. Sure. So, like, I I believe in green energy, but I also believe that right now, oil is what we have and what we need to use until we have the resources for green energy. That's a conservative and a liberal view. Mm, It is. It is. That old thing of like, it's two wings of the same bird. Like, Mm. it's, but almost now, it's just like, if you go far enough one way, you're like, it's not enough to really, like we were saying, all this identity-based shit where you're a woman or you're a woman and you're <laughs> sorry, and you're indigenous and I'm the, the white oppressor. It's just, it's not enough. It's Mm-mm. really not enough to break down what we're dealing with here. No, it's just like we keep putting up walls when we're mm. not working together in any way. It's just like, yeah. you're like, you're like this, so you're a piece of shit. And it's like, <laughs> right. you know, you're just like this creepy old white man, but we're like, or you're just this like lazy indigenous person and like, like everybody's getting put into these little I mean I'm lazy but not because, <laughs> not because, not because, because of my race yeah. I'm just lazy because I want to be okay <laughs> by choice yeah yeah so do you have a sense of what a solution might look like for that or my where I've come to lately is like no there actually is no, no solution <laughs> there's a solution but I don't think the three of us can find that yeah. I mean, we you know it's just about finding that common ground that people can look at each other and not see culture or race or gender or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not going to happen anytime soon because people are still so close-minded that they, you know, they see two guys holding hands in the park and it's disgusting to them. Mm. But for, you know, for me, I don't care, whatever. Yeah, I'm just mad that they have love and I don't. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, how does these, like, yeah. two gay men or two lesbian women or at least yeah, people, how do they women. affect your life, like, at, like personally? Yeah. And if they don't, well, then just shut up. It really doesn't. <laughs> like, unless those yeah. two, whatever people are coming at you with a baseball bat and a knife and they're going to kill you, then maybe, yeah, they, there's an issue with them. But yeah. right. if they're just walking in the park holding hands, that's not going to kill me. Right. So I'm like a, like a farm nerd. And, uh, so like, I'm really sad that like these small communities are dying and stuff like that. And, um, this isn't like solving the world and the problems and stuff, but I'm I'm really like community based. And I totally believe if we like start thinking of where we are instead of like this global massive thing that we are, cause we are interconnected and and that's not never going to go away, but nobody really knows, you know, eating food from where they live. Mm -hmm. 
yes. or from the farmer. It's all like mass produced. It's like even like veganism. Veganism is a, a type oh. of colonialism. Oh, you, you can't you can't Google you can't Google best pl- or best country to be vegan. It's it gives you cities. It's a city thing. It's a it's a it's a cult thing. Yeah. So uh, okay. I don't because I don't believe like any any indigenous food system. They eat meat and vegetables because you work with the wild. You work with you your your environment. You sure. don't just go fucking make tofu. Like that's a, again, that's another privilege thing. <laughs> exactly. It's colonialism or not colonial. Veganism <laughs> is a privilege thing as well. <laughs> and they don't realize they don't want to hear it. No. No. I've, if I could count on one hand how many times I've argued with vegan people, I couldn't. Oh, it's like Seaspiracy. We could want to get a oh my conversation God, don't get me on that. On I argued with the <laughs> I filmmaker that. of that film because he posted something about the seal hunt. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was so mad because have you ever watched Angry Anuk? Angry Anuk, okay, yes. Watch great, Angry Anuk if you get a chance. Great film. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It, so basically, Angry Anuk is it's based on, well, not based. It, it's made by a, an, uh, a Nook filmmaker, Inuit filmmaker. And it's basically about her and her family and how they're trying to keep the seal hunt alive because one, it gives them food, mm-hmm. it gives them an income, it puts food on their, or clothes on their back because they make clothes from the, the fur. Sure, yeah. And then you have all these people that live in- California. California or <laughs> wherever that have never been up north. Right. They can't grow vegetables up north, that have no idea what it's like to live in a small, tiny Inuit community where there's no running water or right. electricity trying to say that the seal hunt is bad and because uh, they're cute the animals are cute they're not endangered in any way no and the pictures that they what? show are from like the 80s yeah when clubbing the baby seals was a thing sure and they don't do that they anymore. don't do that anymore no. they use old imagery and say this is what they're doing this is bad yes they're probably at one point was bad but there's regulations in place okay the same with anything that's conservation wise um, and it's like green. Is this how Greenpeace makes their money? Because they found a cute animal that they can promote that people want to spend money on to stop, so then <laughs> okay. they can get more money to do their other vegan shit. So well, right. they drive right. a big giant ship in the ocean, <laughs> yeah. leaking oil. And right. like, so I also like you know there are there is a time and place and conservation, and, and I totally agree with that. But they're they're they've never been up north okay. to ever go into these communities to actually experience and talk to these people it's right. all it's all built up in their own narrative yeah. and well, it's, it's sad that's i like using the term shockumentary yeah it is. They, exactly okay. they shock people into thinking that these things are bad right that eating fish from the ocean is bad because it'll deplete our resources no the industry of fishing is bad right mm-hmm. but my sister-in-law's family taking their boat out on the ocean, catching 50 salmon and giving it to their family members mm-hmm. because they can't afford food is not bad. They're feeding a community. They're canning their own tuna or their own salmon and selling it because it's their only means of income. Right. They don't, people don't realize that like, you know, there's these communities on the ocean that can't go to Vancouver and work because they don't know Vancouver. They don't, they don't feel comfortable working in a city like that. That's why when you see homeless people in Vancouver, a lot of them are indigenous because they, it's just not, you know, they, they got thrown, it's a culture shock and they couldn't handle it and they just mm. fell on hard times. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what, it, like, that's Seaspiracy, they don't, you know, it was very more Asian-centric hate, well, which is another thing. But oh, it, that's, it that's was also just, yeah. like, <laughs> them going to places and demanding an interview. Well, you didn't, 
phone them. You just showed up and you're like, we need to know about this now. And yeah. it's just like, that's <laughs> counterproductive. And then they dramatize other interviews with other people. And it's just like, to me, it doesn't feel real then. It just feels like you got the what you wanted out of it. Right. And you know what? There is subjectivity in every film. It's very, like, it's going to be to your bias completely. But you should try at least to, like, yeah. not make it so... I so don't know. Overt. That, yeah. That you're, yeah. So I had I had a, a lot of issues with it, especially you know these white people going to different countries and and like we get it like they we've um, saw other films of you know the dolphin hunts and stuff and yeah it's it's crappy but we also need to come back to North America like and um, uh, in Halifax in Nova Scotia like they totally have a fishing mafia there mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and those types of things and also like crazy stuff with. Um, like lobster fishermen and indigenous lobster fishermen and all these different things like maybe come here and we can discuss this because it's why are we going to other countries to can we talk about that amazing flex last year when the oh, micmac yeah. bought the fisheries that, that was, was amazing wild. i forgot about <laughs> that, that. Was they, were, they were getting attacked for just wa- like catching like 50 lobsters or whatever it was they were catching right meanwhile this industry is catching thousands upon thousands and they're like oh these ladies are catching all our fish and then they were like okay and then they just bought the fishery it was it was like it was great like i was in halifax or in nova scotia when that was happening and like it was just so insane like what these white fishermen were saying to people and they burnt down their their um their lobster bay or whatever yeah. and and like and it was just insane but then they did that and i was like yeah but then uh, that, but that's i mean i shouldn't say but because that makes it sound like i'm gonna argue with you on that no um the ish that that goes back to like everything right it's Mm-hmm. It's just the people that have the louder voices that are yeah. being heard, yeah. and it's these loud fishermen that are so angry that a couple native people are catching fifty lobsters. But right. it, it, this is a repeat of history because there's an indigenous filmmaker. I can't remember her name. Um, Alanis. Yeah, Alanis yeah, she's mm-hmm. amazing. If you don't know who she is. She's she's like Agnes Varda for yeah. indigenous people. Okay. Yeah, and so she has like multiple films on, on even with fishing she in Quebec, especially. Yeah, and. <laughs> And it's just like you're basically just watching a repeat of history, and it's yeah. just sad. But she, yeah, she. <laughs> I there. Wait, wait for these dogs to sure. all <laughs> I'm speaking now. The dogs podcast yeah. now. Yeah. Bring them on, special guest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so Alanis is. Um, what is she? Ashinanabi, Ashinanabi. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, from Ontario, like from Ontario, and she makes. I would say she probably has made a f- documentary a year, maybe two, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Her, her credit list is just insane. Like she's made so many documentary shorts, features, whatever, and a lot of her, a lot of the documentaries she makes are on indigenous issues. A lot of it is, you know, something that she made 30 years ago Hmm. is still relevant today. Oh, yeah. So, and she's like, and she's there. She's not like, she's actually in the action. She's Mm -hmm. a part of it. Oh, she's been arrested multiple times. Oh, yeah. Like, she is, she is there and and giving a voice. Yeah. Which is great. But she's also the sweetest woman I've ever met in my life. I was, I met her a couple years ago at Imagine Native. Hmm. One of my friends was with me. And she was like. You know, we just went up to talk to her, and she was like, my friend Haley was like, oh, you know, I did this documentary. Alanis was like, give me the link to it. I want to watch it. I want to support nice. it. That's and you could see the look on Haley's face. She was, like, ready to cry. <laughs> <laughs> this is like if, you know, Spielberg was like, let me watch your film. 
Mm. I'd be like, what? Yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> Let me just go edit it like four more yeah. times before <laughs> I give it to you. <laughs> Bit of sound design stuff yeah. to do. Yeah. I think you hit on it though, Anna, and and you sort of indirectly, Eric. It's like people not living sustainably, and people being disconnected, or people connecting themselves to the world at large, and really the problems are. Yeah, within like, right. There was this guy who was speaking. Um, his name is Jeff Singer, and he's he's done a lot of. Um, like hunting stuff or whatever but he he's like people think it's strange that i go and forage and kill like i kill deer and moose and eat that but he's like i think it's strange that we eat bananas from mexico and kiwis from new zealand like you know these like it's cool that we do that but it's not from here right right you don't see the process that it takes to get those kiwis to you. Yeah. How much water? How much gasoline? How much? Yeah, exactly. That they use. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Uh, I mean, hate or love Joe Rogan. I'm on. I'm on an iffy side. <laughs> same same <laughs> here. You know, he says things like when talking like people get mad at him for hunting, but not mad at other people for going to McDonald's, right? Like, right. He mm-hmm. hunts elk and he puts food in his freezer, and he doesn't have to worry about buying processed meat. Right. You know. To, like it doesn't matter what you're what you think about Joe Rogan he has a point right well, he totally does I totally agree with that 100 percent yeah because okay well that that animal's gonna get is gonna die a horrible death eventually yeah <laughs> why not one shot and end it and then you can feed your family for yeah, a year like, off of one big elk exactly sure. I grew up on a bison farm and I remember this okay. woman saying this vegan woman she was like I don't respect you because you don't kill the animal and I was like okay whatever but this animal didn't live in close quarters with other animals yeah. it wasn't like laying in its own filth it had so much room to live its life it had no mm. idea that it was going to be shot in the head right. and die <laughs> but then these animals and feedlots are just like bred to to be eaten yeah you know? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like chicken wings, but yeah. I mean, we all like sometimes, you know. But we all I benefit from this factory farm yeah. system. Let's not. Yeah. I mean, I as, as much as possible, I try to buy from local farms and okay. butchers. Cool. But I mean, I I hunt every year, and I, you know, I get one moose, and that feeds my. Fa- I have a big family. I got five brothers, five sister-in-laws, twelve nieces and nephews. My parents wow. and myself. You know, one moose feeds our entire family for a year. That moose doesn't go to waste. And then anything no. that we don't take, we leave. And we leave it for other animals, other scavengers. Mm. Like, anytime we've ever gone hunting, by the time we were done, there's like eight, ten ravens. There's whiskey Yeah, exactly, because that's little, natural. Yeah. That's, where and, else, where should it go? Yeah, and we don't, you know, we're not like, I don't like the idea of trophy hunting. I don't like people that take pictures of the things they kill. Sure. But as long as they're using it and they're taking everything that they need, Mm-hmm. You know, I like when Anna has done it as well. But whenever we kill something, you know, we we thank it for we thank it for giving oh, okay. itself yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. You mm-hmm. know, usually yeah. like with me, if we cut a tip of the heart and we put it somewhere and we make you know say a little cool little prayer of some sort, mm-hmm. not like a religious prayer, but like you know, but, thank, yeah. thank the creator and the animal, and sure. we give that heart back to nature, and something will eat it. Like my my film that I just made. Um, it was my the my niece wasn't going to like my niece and nephew weren't going to be the center of the film, but it happened, and it's because we killed a bison. Um, it had broke its leg, and when a bison is weak within the herd, mm-hmm. they get shunned out. Okay. And then normally in nature, they would the wolves would get it. So we were other wolves, I guess. <laughs> yeah, sure. But we we shot it, and and we all said thanks and stuff. And then I was walking down to go. We we're gonna go skin it, and she's 
bawling her eyes out. She's crying, and you know, because it's her first death. And then right. later, she's helping skin it. And then we're out in the meat shop, and we're putting it in bags. And then the last shot is us eating the animal. And it's just like, but that shows kids' empathy. Like if you totally, um, I don't know how my I'm gonna find what my dad said because it's like sure. so good. Um, it's got me thinking about how like this is a good example of like the food system as gen like i went and spent x hundred dollars at costco the other day i yeah. didn't see where any of that shit came from no but so in the same way that i'm disconnected from where i get my food it's also like people are disconnected from what is really truly important to them like something like you're saying suddenly it's these californians are now concerning themselves with inuit seal fishermen yeah. uh, seal right? hunters well meanwhile eating avocados from mexico that are picked by right you know poor farmers avocado that are getting- mafia five cents per avocado they pick right like and so you're the privilege in this case then if i'm understanding is because i get to even do that yeah. not me but them they get to bitch about what some other culture is doing yeah. which is far more sustainable than what they're doing oh yeah mm-hmm. so it's hypocrisy it really is definitely and that's again that's the shockumentary aspect of it they're trying to shock you into thinking right that this way of life is so bad and so horrible that because there's some suffering involved with it the animals what how much suffering do you think to get those avocados to you there's probably still some right yeah again the you Mm -hmm. know farmers that are making not even a minimum wage right that are picking these fruits and vegetables for you Mm -hmm. i don't you go to if you if you've ever been to california and you drive through like the fruits and vegetable fields you see these you know mexican people picking your food for you Right. Last year, when they had the big forest fires, there were men out there picking, during forest fires and coronavirus, picking fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. while wearing masks in, you know, 100 degree weather. That sucks. That food's going straight to these, you know, these little hippie vegans <laughs> that have no idea where their food's coming from. Right. The same way that, you know, meat eaters don't know where their food's coming from. Unless you obviously source it yourself. Right. Yeah, so there's a huge disconnect and it's sad. Mm-hmm. It is sad. I wonder if that's not part of the larger problem here is that we're disconnected from what it means to be human in some ways. Definitely. And I mean, there's not, again, there's nothing wrong with being vegan. No. But if you make no. it about culture and politics, then mm-hmm. there's an issue with it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like anything else. It's like, I heard it called like misplaced spirituality. It's like, okay, I don't believe in God, but I believe in veganism. You yeah. know, it's like that yeah. same. It's kind or, of a religion. <laughs> kind of is. Yeah. And there's yeah. lots of examples of that these days. We took God out and mm-hmm. we had to, we got to fill it with something. There you go. Yeah. No. Worshiping cows. Yeah. <laughs> sure. So my dad said, he's like, when we shield ourselves from the reality of life, when they do come, we won't be able to handle it. And that's the thing. If we're constantly shielded from, like we grew up with hunting and that empathy side like we respect the animal because we've been through the whole process of it it's life mm-hmm. being taken yeah. and and but you know people that go to mcdonald's have no idea like some people i've met they just think hamburgers just they don't realize it comes from a living breathing thing oh, God. Mm-hmm. you know so what was your what was the quote again that your dad said um when we shield ourselves from the reality of life when they do come we won't be able to handle it I, I agree with that. I think I think that's what this pandemic has exposed in some ways. Where these, it's not okay. It's been bad. Obviously, I'm not going to go mm-hmm. down some conspiracy nut road here, but <laughs> it could have been a lot worse for oh, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The people look took this as an example or an opportunity to just freak out, really lose all. Wear four masks. Wear three masks. Stay inside forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I think that this was it was always going to go this way in this time. People yeah. were going to just because they've been shielded. Freak out, right yeah. now, something happens that kind of rocks my boat, and I'm going to lose it. Yeah, you know. Well, that is one thing about real life; like, hasn't really changed out there. Right. For, better, <laughs> for better or for worse. In a, in a sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's great stuff. Um, anything new coming out like right away for you, Anna? That maybe people can see. Um, I just finished my my like short doc, and I'm gonna put it in a. Uh, film festival circuit and then after that probably start showing it but beauty yeah Anthony Calgary closed soon just saying yeah I need to and get Toronto. on it yeah Toronto closes in May okay <laughs> yeah. yeah okay yeah. I've heard that the late late deadlines for film festivals are just like a cash grab basically like they've made their decision after the early bird or not the early bird but the, maybe the final See. deadline <laughs> <laughs> that's just what I was told I mean I would I mean I, I wouldn't, wouldn't doubt it like yeah. it depends on the festival right sure. like sometimes they'll um I mean, I submitted a film to Edmonton and Calgary two years ago, reserved, basically. Yeah. I submitted to them, like, a month after it was supposed to be in. But because they knew me, they gave me the benefit of the doubt. Didn't get in, obviously. Oh. <laughs> but Still. They, you know, they let me do it, and they gave it to me for free, so maybe sometimes it's not a cash grab. Hey, they gave you the fee waiver. That's nice. I always get the fee waiver. Damn you. I'm, I'm an alumni. <laughs> nice. And what are you chipping away on? Like, what's coming out next for Eric? That is the wor- I have so many things on the go right <laughs> That's now. That's the worst question I could ask. I, I'm doing a short uh, documentary for the National Film Board. I've got a feature film that I'm producing at the end of this month, because it's May now, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> and when that happened. Um, developing a feature film... That hopefully we'll shoot next year in Newman, Arizona. Nice. Uh, developing a TV series for CBC. Damn. And that's you, about it. You need crew for any of that? Uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, hey, uh, I'm looking for some work. Yeah, so. yeah. I need some money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's where I film. <laughs> fair. I'll fair go to Arizona. Me. I'll come. It wouldn't be so bad. I don't know if the local crews would love that so no. much. But no. no, exactly. Would not. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Sure. And anything together you guys have in mind, or maybe not right now? Not at the moment, but I'm no. sure something will yeah, pop something up. Probably, something always does, <laughs> something right? Always yeah. Comes yeah. Up. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see where Ancestral Inc. goes. Yeah. So I, I submitted that already to Edmonton, Calgary, and Toronto, mm-hmm. nice. and Imagine Native. So hopefully those uh, those go somewhere. Sweet. Uh, can people see that, or you're waiting till? No one can see it until it's till it's you know, done. It's, its the thing. it's the requisites, right? You can't show. No, nope, fair enough. Can't show it online until it premieres at Toronto. So what you sent me of Ancestral Inc., is that the whole thing? Like, it's just a short? Yeah, it's just a okay. quick three-minute, four-minute, whatever it is. That was cool, man. Yeah. It was really cool. It had a great look. It was kind of dark in there, hey? It was like... Yeah. I didn't mind. It wasn't overly done. It was... It was I liked mm-hmm. it. It was, it was such awesome. a small space. It seemed like yeah. it was small. It was, wasn't... There wasn't too many angles you could get, especially because no. you don't want to hit her because she's putting ink <laughs> on somebody's body. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but no, she was cool with it. Oh, yeah, she was great. Oh, the, like the, like, the client? The, yeah. yeah. Oh, both of them are. Yeah. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful stuff. Yeah. I don't think we talked about that project at all. <laughs> we talked a little bit about it. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the, that was, that's like your most recent yeah. thing. So what you were saying, like you, you and her father and your father have history yeah. and you kind of were yeah. always in touch mm-hmm. and you said, hey, you want to do this? Yeah. I thought that was the reason why we're coming here to talk about. <laughs> we can talk yeah, more about it. Yeah, then we start talking about meat we, and we vegetables. All the way off yeah. the <laughs> <laughs> That's what these are all about, though. Yeah. I'm fine to come back to it. Like, 
Well, maybe was there something that needs to be said about it? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, come on. <laughs> I thought I think I said everything that needed to be said. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you don't want to say too much about it either, right? Well, it's that, but it was also like a one-day shoot, four-minute documentary. Sure. <laughs> no real story behind it other than I got bored and I wanted to make something. <laughs> and I called Anna because she had a camera. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, and Poppy does really beautiful stuff, but her like in like indigenous oh, like she, Cree she, designs are so unique mm. and so cool that, and I don't see anybody else doing that. No, and she's she's getting more into those designs because she's trying to, she's been reconnecting with her culture a lot, and she wants to do more of that mm. stuff, and so she, but she doesn't want to just do like, you know, she wants to make it her own, so she adds her own little poppy flair to it cool 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 mm-hmm. she's got her own which she yeah. literally says in the documentary yeah. yeah i gave it my own poppy flair my own pop i thought it was neat how she said she knew she thought maybe she was an artist but never found her medium or yeah. her niche mm-hmm. and then she found it through tattooing which is hardcore well it is I hardcore because you, you kind of only get one shot yeah yeah <laughs> there's no eraser no, no. <laughs> it's a painful eraser it is yeah <laughs> sure it's a laser yeah it? yeah no that's cool um You know what's interesting there is that indigenous culture, because like you were saying, it's you get painted as sometimes the whatever stereotype you want to say. And I'd be honest, growing up in a fairly privileged and white scenario, I, I didn't know about indigenous culture. The more I learn about it, the more I see it as being supreme in some ways because it's so grounded in the land and it's it's yeah, it's, it's very, a connection. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. want to put words in your mouth and tell you what it is, but <laughs> is but, it, I mean. I don't know if I would use the word supreme. No, I don't, I don't mean it that way, but it's 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 not... Here, let me put it this way. It is not what I thought it was, and the more I learn, the more there is to learn, I guess. Yeah. Like, I'd much rather learn from the indigenous than go to a fucking church. That's to say the least. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think enough. a lot of people, you know, they don't... They don't... Re- like, we... There's... First of all, you can't just paint with one brush when you talk about indigenous people, right? Oh, Definitely yeah. Because there are 500-plus nations across, you know... Canada, North Canada, U.S. and Mexico. Sure. And there's so many different cultures, and like, like what I believe in is not what Cree people believe in, or what Blackfoot, or you know, even Métis people. Mm. You know, there's just there's so there's so much and so much to learn that mm-hmm. we're you know, no one's ever going to learn it all. And I think that's the issue is that we all just kind of get, we, we, you know, we all just got, got lumped into one thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you know, native people lived in teepees and they <laughs> roamed with the buffalo. And it's like, no, I never, my people never lived in teepees. It was too cold. Oh, there was no buffalo up there. We hunted caribou. Wow. You know, we didn't wear little buckskin loincloths loin cloth because <laughs> that's just uncomfortable. That's <laughs> not, yeah, it's not practical. Well, no, there's also like that conversation too, which would be a whole other podcast on how like Hollywood has made those stereotypes uh, Can too. we come back for part two and talk about that? Absolutely <laughs> yeah. we can. I could talk about that forever. Yeah. We definitely can. Well, that's I'll, I'll put it in the short form. Watch Real Engine. Mm-hmm. Real chance. Okay. It's mm-hmm. a national sure. film board project. Okay. It talks all about Hollywood and their glamorization of indigenous culture mm-hmm. and how negatively wrong it is. It's well, a really good film. It is. It's amazing. Real Engine. Is that one of those ones you can see online at it, their, on I their think site? So. Yeah, it might be on their site. Nice. Um, you guys have given me some good recommendations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are, these are projects that a lot of people should be watching more of Yep. because they are told from, you know, the point of view of the, the, the filmmaker, like the the culture yeah exactly like if if you were Anna were to make real engine or anger and Nook, 
obviously it would be not from be from a white the same. perspective, yeah, right? Be, yeah. At least conspiracy right. kind of apologized for putting up the okay the seal thing. Like they, it was like <laughs> I, it's because they got embarrassed by because there was a um, an Anuk woman that that like on TikTok that like shit on them so they, they um <laughs> i just want to say i did it before everybody <laughs> yeah i was well, the good. first person that made, that made any comment on his post good nice. good 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 actually you're pretty outspoken on twitter Eric. oh i'm you? ridiculous i, I, love I, it. I started deleting <laughs> a lot of tweets because i don't want them to come back honestly <laughs> i think you should <laughs> i think you're shadow banned because i haven't seen you in so long i was like Who i used knows? to get, i used to get a daily eric just like sarcastic tweet that just <laughs> i had to smile twitter is where i go to just talk shit yeah <laughs> and it's, it's never lot. like i'm never like insulting people no more so i'm insulting what they're saying right and it's always what they're saying is very negative and wrong right and i just want to make fun of them which should absolutely be allowed yeah. i think it's better that we shit all over someone's ideas and their words than them necessarily because yeah. like you know they just their point of view usually like if it's somebody who you know what not even Yes, <laughs> maybe. Even if they're coming from a place of, res- I mean, they, even if it's positive. So yesterday, um, I don't know if anyone heard about the Rick Santorum thing that came out a few months, weeks or days ago. He was on CNN talking about how, like, basically, it's saying like white. There's no native culture in Native America or in, in America. Oh yeah, that yeah, was yeah. bad. Rick Santorum. That was so bad. Who was that again? He was like a senator at one point, oh, okay. and then he was on CNN. I don't know. Oh, okay. it was so bad. It was so embarrassing. It, it was, anyways, Cringy. it was really embarrassing, and then. <laughs> Um, the Washington Post posted an article written by a white guy, and he was like, well, Rick Santorum is wrong, but also their, his critics were wrong. And I was like, Uh-oh. his critics? <laughs> Are you talking about us? <laughs> the people that he was... And I, I kept telling him, I'm like, he was like, well, keep, we'll read the article. I'm like, I don't need to read your article. You're telling me that I'm wrong by saying Rick Santorum is wrong. You're telling me, as an indigenous person, that what it, Rick Santorum said about indigenous people is wrong. You are doing the worst possible thing you can do. Even though you are, <laughs> I am so sorry. This is this was recent. <laughs> no, but no. He was like, Go ahead. Basically, he was like telling us that we were wrong for speaking up because he had all the answers. He was an academic who, you know, is does native history. But it's like right. you can't speak. F- you like you can speak, but you can't speak for us. Right. And you're basically what you're doing is speaking for us, and that's so wrong. Because we have voices now. This mm-hmm. isn't 20, 30 years ago when we couldn't, you know, we tried and you guys silenced us. Right. We, mm-hmm. It's, uh, that was a whole thing for no, me yesterday. But that's what my sure. Twitter is. I call out people. You should. And yeah. like, if, you know, I, exactly. I don't do it to ever. I'm not like a troll and I'm like, oh, you're so stupid. Right. I'm like, like, you have stupid yeah. views and I'm going to call you out on your stupid views. Yeah. If you like come at them with like knowledge. And you're not like you're an idiot. Like yeah. I mean, sometimes I do that. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's a low blow or. A and sometimes I start an argument and then I block them because it's funny. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> they're so frustrated. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, "Oh my god!" And I'm like, "No, you didn't. I just didn't want to argue with you anymore." <laughs> well, that's crazy. That that like speaking for you thing is like, it thinks it's not racism. It thinks it's not somehow coming from a place of supremacy, and it totally is. Yeah. It's like. It's just to be like they're so unaware, but they're sure. aware. Like it's so well, it's weird. It's like going back to last year with the Black Lives Matter thing, right? Mm-hmm. There were people putting on their own little rallies or protests that were white people, right? And it's like, well, why would I go to that? <laughs> why would I go to your rally when you don't know what these people are going through? No, exactly. I would rather go to the one that's put on by mm-hmm. you know 
people in Edmonton that are black that are yeah. either academics or or activists or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, the one that they had at um, the ledge, which was oh yeah, that was where Anna was there. Mm-hmm. There was like ten thousand people there. Yeah, it was a big one. Mm-hmm. As opposed to a little one that was done by like two white people, and there was like thirty people. <laughs> <laughs> well, like even. Um in Innisfil, I guess, weren't they going to have like a Black Black Lives Matter, yeah. and then they canceled it? Or well, something? no, they they still went on with yeah. it, but they. And again, it's, it, I think it's because there was no black people in Innisfil. Yeah, it was done by a white woman. <laughs> yeah, but she had her she had the right intentions, and she was doing yep. the right thing. Yep. Yeah, and she invited people from Edmonton and wherever else, and you know, actual black people. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's I think that's what a lot of people should be doing is bringing these voices in to speak and not mm-hmm. just yep. a white person that's like oh black people's lives matter it's like yeah but i don't want to hear it from you <laughs> right? yeah, it's like, like right. it comes back to like that representation thing right and also like some white people just want to get pat on the back be like i went to a black lives matter protest i started yeah, yes. one and it's like that's good for you candace like, <laughs> <laughs> like when when you went you weren't like oh i'm at the black lives matter protest no. i'm so activist it's yeah. like no right. you went there to see to what support was... and, to, and to listen i had so, a i had a white old white man yeah, go up story. to me and he was like go up to me, my friend and i and was like have fun at the hate rally you fucking bitches and i instantly went I hope you die later. And I was like, oh my God, I've never said anything. <laughs> Did he call you die? I thought he called you die. Oh yeah, he called us because my friend and I were like, we're giggling and we're right. holding each other's arms and he was like, yeah, he was like, lesbians, gross, hate rally. What you're are you talking lesbian about? Lesbian activities. Yeah, the exactly. Only, <laughs> the only hate I see here is you. Yeah, yeah. like, oh my gosh. Like, it was just wild. Yeah. An- another thing too about that, I think, is he really had no... His problem was not one of race or no. politics. It was a mental. It's, it's like on a personal level. Yeah, you know, so it much totally of, was. Yeah. It's like you just you just took up a spot in his in his eyesight at yeah, that moment. He felt and, uncomfortable f- because we were doing lesbian activities, yeah, lesbian which wasn't act- <laughs> at all. That's my new favorite term. Lesbian oh man, activities. that was so embarrassing for her. For her friend? No, t- there's this lady online. Um, She's a Tamara something. M- MLA or an MP? Yeah, and she was. They're oh. trying to vote on conversion therapy, oh, which okay. shouldn't ever be a thing ever. Still, like it's conversion therapy, like if you're if homosexual. You're gay, yeah. Oh yeah. And so this, she was like, oh well, my friend's daughter was like a lesbian, and then she ch- like changed her mind, and she went through it, and it was successful. And I'm like, no, that girl is still probably a lesbian and is terrified. <laughs> of and your I'm therapy. Like, yeah. Oh, just, oh, yeah. Dropping bombs. I've heard that one before, though. <laughs> I mean, he's, you know, he's single. He's never had a girl that we he's know totally of. He's totally a closeted gay. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you want to put this on your podcast. I really I don't, don't care. <laughs> I'm looking for that. I've been looking for that one. So he maybe totally this is, is. It. Doesn't he still live in his mom's basement? Yeah, like, that's how he was able to run in this election. Oh, my God. I mean, smart, I guess. Like, no, I love living with my parents. No so. UCPs hiding in the woods, <laughs> but woods ready to jump on us. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> no, we're in a pretty safe part of town for that. Yeah, we're yeah. in the indigenous yeah, park. Do you think they'll be here? This is the most liberal place we could be sitting right now. Unless you're on the corner of White Ave and you got those crazy Bible people. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Which I love. I love them because. That's old school. <laughs> That's old hey, school. Him and his milk crate yeah. telling us we're all sinners while we get uh, blackout on White Ave. Uh, I, miss <laughs> I, I miss getting drunk on White and seeing that guy. Uh, now I just, we just now I'm sober him. and I see him. Like, this isn't fun. This is, this is not right. <laughs> You're just yelling at me. It was, I was here, I was on White last night and it was a different guy in a different corner. And then one corner down was like some kind of, I don't know what they were. They were trans rights activists or whatever activists and they were you know the sh- it was like a mini pride congregation i was like wow this is this is edmonton yeah <laughs> you're seeing it all yep. awesome. yeah 
Thank you guys. This was great. Yeah, this, no, this was the really great. Podcast. <laughs> People are like, "What are we even talking?" Yeah, about? I don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we went off the rails. We started talking about whatever. That's yeah. kind of the plan. It was yeah. like you can only talk about filmmaking for so long. No, yeah. I mean, exactly. we're, we're people with ideas, and yes, yeah. maybe our ideas don't make sense, but whatever. That's the point. The <laughs> podcast. None of my, none of the shit I say really is no. fully baked, you know. So I kind of just like, even when I said like something about indigenous culture, I was like, this is a risk because he could just be like, what? Yeah. But it, it got so. It's about that. It's just, a conversation. Just, yeah. just try it, you mm-hmm. know. Just try it. So I appreciate that you guys were open to it. I know, Eric, you came from Morinville. It's like twenty minutes away. Okay, fine. I was trying to give you some credit, but thanks, Aaron. <laughs> Aaron, Anna came further. Right. Fort Assiniboine. Oh, see, yeah. represent Alberta far and wide. Yeah. Yes, it's awesome. Anyway, thanks, guys. I'm going to cut, but yeah, I really you. appreciate it. Awesome. I can't wait for the sequel. <laughs> yeah. What was it? What were we going to talk about on the sequel? Oh, oh uh, um, stereotypes. Stereotypes. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. Right on. Thank you for listening to the North Bank Media Podcast. If you enjoy this conversation, please subscribe on YouTube and give us a like. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe as well and leave a five-star review.